Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. For John Campbell, we're talking some about the NBA and college basketball, obviously, as we start this show now that we are on into March, and it is the conference basketball tournaments that are underway in many places this week. But let's start in the NBA, if, if I can with you. The Rockets win their 15th in a row last night over the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder. They are now, uh, I'm looking at the Odd Shark official Twitter feed, they are now plus 350 in NBA futures. That is three and a half to one to win the overall NBA title. They open the season at seven to one. So a lot of money has come in on the Rockets. In your mind, are they a legitimate threat to the Warriors in the Western Conference? And are they the biggest threat to the Warriors overall? Is it fair to say now in basketball, even more so than LeBron or the Cavs or anybody from the Eastern Conference? I don't think so. I don't think they're going to beat the Warriors, and, and the Warriors odds have come down a little bit here too. They're they're now at minus one fifty, so you're getting a little bit better price on them as well. But I, I don't think so. I better team than they were last year. I just I just don't think they they can stop defensively Golden State or or, or Cleveland if if they happen to be Golden State on the other side. I just think Cleveland has more talent and, and uh, the ability to score, the ability to stop a, a little bit more than Houston does. Uh, when it comes to these top teams. It's interesting. We're talking to John Campbell from Odd Shark. You can follow him on Twitter at Johnny Odd Shark. The the overall um, landscape also, I saw the futures come out from Odd Shark about where LeBron is potentially going to go. Uh, Right now it is plus 250 that he stays with the Cleveland Cavaliers, but it is also plus 250, so the two favorites right now would be the Houston Rockets, there seems to be some momentum to the idea that LeBron James could leave where he is right now, obviously with Cleveland in the offseason. It's going to be a major topic of discussion what LeBron's going to do all throughout June once the NBA Finals are over as we move into July. If I remember correctly, Kevin Durant announced on July 4th that he would be joining the Warriors. 
this would be a hell of a move if LeBron James went and joined the Rockets in the offseason, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, Le- LeBron wants to win at this point, I think. I think he's, he, he's thinking ahead to his legacy at this point and wants to get as many championships as he as he can here. I, I don't think it's good for the NBA if he goes there. Or uh, there, He put out that story earlier this year that he wanted to go to the Warriors, too. And I think he just wants to win now. So I think anything can happen here uh, with in terms of where he, he wants to go, and he could change his mind last minute. We've seen him do that before. It's College basketball, I've always said, is like a six-week sport. As soon as the Super Bowl is over, a lot of people pivot their attention to college basketball, and once the calendar officially turns to March, I feel like it becomes our national obsession. And that begins, for many people, this week with all the games going on all throughout the day. We have now the conference basketball tournaments off and running. For instance, I'm going to be in St. Louis on Friday and Saturday watching the SEC basketball tournament with my friends at the Home Loan uh, Expert dot uh, com. They've got a uh, awesome suite. We're doing a cool giveaway there uh, for for Outkick listeners and readers, and that's going to be a lot of fun. But there's also a lot of gambling going on in general on these conference tournaments. Is that a better overall play in terms of value than the NCAA tournament, where a lot more money rolls in? I know you've been giving out picks and gambling a lot on this. Do you like the conference tournaments more than the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I do. I, I This is my favorite week in, in college basketball, one of my favorite weeks of the year in anything. And I, there's a lot more value here for betters this week than there is next week. There are just so many more games, so much more for odds makers to, to try to keep track of. And you can really zero in on a conference or two and, and find some great spots if you know that conference well. Uh, books are having a, they have a tough time this week getting all these lines out in a timely way. So you can find some great spots. Uh, there's just so many more games, so many, so many, uh, different things happening in those games. And I think as a better, you can win a lot more money. Uh, they're, they're much better prepared for March Madness. March Madness has more hype publicly, but this is a tougher one to handicap for the books. When you look at the conference tournaments, which one do you like to gamble on the most this week? Uh, so there's obviously a lot of games going on. You can look around at uh, you know some of the things like the West Coast Conference. Gonzaga closes it out last week. Uh, but, for instance, today, and uh, we've got the ACC officially underway. We've got the SEC. I mean, there are just so many games in general that are taking place right now. What do you like uh, of the Wednesday games as we get rolling? Like, for instance... At uh, at what is it noon Eastern? We've got Louisville and Florida State. That's a game that Louisville essentially, I think, has to win in order to be able to feel very comfortable about having a chance to make the NCAA tournament. You've got Boston College, NC State. I mean, you got Air Force. You, I mean, literally, there are games going on all day. If you're a gambler, this is heaven. It's starting a week early, even earlier than the NCAA tournament. What do you like today? Um, well, there are a couple I like today. Uh, I, I'm leaning to Florida State over Louisville in that one there. And, and in the ACC, I like NC State minus three against BC. I thought BC looked terrible in their win yesterday over Georgia Tech. And I think NC State matches up much better uh, against them here. So I really like NC State in that one. The Big East is, is a tournament I'll be following uh, all week. And um, I, I, I like both games today. I like Georgetown getting four-and-a-half points, plus four-and-a-half against St. John's. Uh, and I like Marquette minus six. They're my dark horse in this one, a great three-point shooting team. So 
Marquette minus six uh, is another one I like. I'll be following the Big East throughout, but uh, but yeah, I keep an eye on the on the ACC, the Big East. Those are a couple of my favorites. Um, another kind of dark horse one I like. I like Utah nine to one in the Pac twelve. I think they're a real tough team that that could come uh, that could come and surprise some people. In uh, the Big East, Creighton is the team that I think could surprise people as well. They can score. They're the, they're the eighth best scoring team in the nation. They're eight to one. I do think Nova's going to win that one, but uh, Creighton could surprise some people. A couple other interesting games, I think. Notre Dame, not a lot of people have paid attention to them, but they've had major injury issues. They're playing against uh, Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech is in. They beat Duke, I think it was recently, uh, or maybe it was UNC. I can't remember which team they beat by one. I think it was Duke. Uh, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. Notre Dame is a two-point favorite. They could find their way onto the outskirts of this bubble. And then also a team that obviously got a ton of attention early and then has just completely fallen apart. And it's a big rivalry game in football. We call it Bedlam, but it's a big rivalry game in basketball too. And it's a first-round game in the Big 12. Oklahoma against Oklahoma State. What do you think of those two games? Well, yeah, neither one of those teams can seem to play any defense with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State uh, this year. So uh, I, I'd be looking to uh, the over in that one and and a slight lean to Oklahoma. Um, in the other one, Notre Dame just did not look very good. They barely uh, scraped past Pitt, a team that hasn't won a game in the ACC. But uh, that goes to a trend that shows that big dogs, dogs of 15 points uh, or more, cover at 57% in conference tournaments going back to 2001. So not a huge surprise that Pitt, that Pitt won there yesterday. I do think Notre Dame's going to be a little bit better today, but I just think Virginia Tech's a better team. So getting points, I'm, I'm going to go with the Hokies. You, uh, congratulations, had a great record. And in particular, I think you hit on Michigan at 7-1 to one to win that overall tournament in Madison Square Garden that was played last week. It's going to surprise some people who haven't been paying attention. Big Ten tournament's already done. They have to sit out for a week now. I think you gave us Utah. Any other teams out there that you like on the future side to potentially be winning these conference tournaments that have some decent payoffs? Yeah, a couple others. Uh, West Virginia is one I like, plus 340 uh, to win the Big 12. They, they shortened their bench a few weeks ago, and they've been playing a lot better since then. Good inside-outside game, and, and uh, at, at between 3-1 to one and 4-1, to one, I think there's good value there. For them, uh, I think the SEC is totally wide open. So if you have a hunch on a team on that one, I think anybody can win that one. Auburn, Auburn's favorite at plus 370. So that one's wide open. I think Virginia is the best team in the ACC. They're the second favorite, though. They're plus 230. Uh, and I do think they're going to win that one, win the ACC. Outstanding stuff as always, John Campbell. Appreciate you joining us on uh, Wednesday every morning as you do. You can follow John Campbell at Odd Shark at johnnyoddshark.com. Appreciate the time, my man. Thanks, Clay. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Jeff Schwartz, uh, I believe, is with us. Let me bring you in. Jeff, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, I understand the player gets upset because he wants the upfront and he wants the guaranteed money. But I think Le'Veon Bell is 26 or 27 years old. Let's assume that he's going to be good for another three years. Why not just go ahead and make a year-by-year decision on whether or not he's worth $14 million a year, which is what the franchise tag pays him? Well, I think that's what they're trying to do. And, yes, you can franchise someone three years, three times in a row, but the third year, the financial penalty is so high that, you know, Cousins would have jumped like $34 million this year right. for his salary. So, Le'Veon Bell would probably jump 
up to almost $20 million, which seems ridiculous to pay a running back for one season. So, that so might you be, think, basically, are they making the decision that they're going to let him go after this year, yeah. or they're going to try to sign him to a multi-year after this year? The, if, if Le'Veon Bell, so Le'Veon Bell, the, the, the impasse they have is that Le'Veon Bell wants to be paid as a dual-threat running back, as a running back who's a wide receiver and, a, and as a running back. And that's what the holdup is. He doesn't want to get paid as the highest-paid running back. He wants to be a dual-threat, which the Steelers are not going to set precedent and pay someone to be a dual threat because then you have tight ends are going to say, well, I'm, a, I'm really a wide receiver. I want to be paid like a wide right. receiver. And then, you, and then you get into this issue. And look, tight ends, try, every year a tight end gets franchised. They try to they, – they, And the they tight end – it's it. interesting you mentioned this because I was looking at – they just came out with what the franchise tag cost. And the tight end franchise tag is only $11 million, which – cheap. I mean, yeah, it's insanely cheap. Um, and so – I, I think that, and, and this kind of leads into the argument of, you know, people want to drive Saquon Barkley at one. Pittsburgh doesn't even value possibly the most complete running back in the NFL. They're just like, whatever, just play on a one-year deal. We don't really need you for the future. In the 66 games that Le'Veon Bell has played um, for the Steelers, they've averaged 25.3 points. In the 21 games he hasn't played, they've averaged 25.3 points. Yeah. Um, and so they, they view him as, as a valuable piece to his team, but more on a one-year deal. And, and because of the – and I heard, I heard you talk about it before it came on – because of the, um, the, the longevity of running backs and the amount of touches they give him, they just assume – and he's missed games from time to time – they just assume he's going to get hurt, and they're just trying to get the most out of him uh, on these year-to-year deals. Yeah, and, and I understand the argument for why you wouldn't draft Saquon Barkley because usually I'm a – quarterbacks matter more than anything else guy I just don't have any faith at all in the Browns to get it right and I feel like it's more likely that they go out and draft the wrong guy and then in three years they're right back where they already were whereas at least you would have maybe the best running back in the league in Saquon Barkley for several years which could be an entertaining uh, asset to have for the Browns. Look, I, I, I get all that but in this NFL it's not realistic to have a running back just just for three years. So let me ask you this question. The Browns were 10th in rushing last year. All right, let me ask you this question. If yeah. you don't have any faith at all in the Browns, like I don't have any faith at all in the Browns to get it right. In other words, I think it's like flipping a coin. You know how like some people have good luck, and you're like, oh, I want that guy to call the coin, and right. it seems like they win more frequently than they lose. I think the Browns are like a franchise that would get the coin toss wrong like 10 times in a <laughs> row, right? They're just like cursed in bad luck, even when – the odds seem like they should be 50-50. They still have bad luck. This is a ridiculous question that I haven't heard anybody else ask, but in college, it's not uncommon to bring in a lot of five-star quarterbacks. For instance, in the last two years, the uh, Georgia Bulldogs have signed three five-star quarterbacks. One of those guys is going to transfer because he's not the guy who's going to get the job. Jacob Eason, he's going to go back to Washington, and he's probably going to be incredibly good for Chris Peterson and will be in the draft in two years and may even be a first-round talent. It's not an indictment of Jacob Eason that he's lost the job. It's more about how good I think the Georgia situation is. They signed Landry Fields, who a lot of people, I believe it's Landry Fields, a lot of people believe is the best quarterback in all of high school last year. And obviously they have their guy whose name suddenly is immediately escaping me. From. From, yeah. From is uh, is set, plays a true freshman, was phenomenal, looks like he's going to be incredible, okay? Why would the Cleveland Browns, not take a quarterback at one, and at four. four, and with their first pick in the second round. They could theoretically go get whoever they want. Josh Allen, they could probably get Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, and they could get, uh, let's say, Lamar Jackson. 
three of the top six quarterbacks in the draft. It's almost impossible to fail on it. Two of those guys have a decent chance of being good. If one of them is good and is a backup, then either you could get back your first-round pick for him in a couple of years if he's not quite good enough, but you have a really good backup, or you know, like you get a second-round pick for him and you guarantee yourself that you have a really good quarterback probably if you draft three. Now, I understand why people out there are like, oh, that's a ridiculous idea, but in college, they do it all the time. They take multiple top quarterbacks because they're not sure who's actually going to be good. Why not try that in the NFL if you're the Browns and you haven't had a decent quarterback since Bernie Kosar? Just go out and get three. I've heard that suggested the one and four. I'm surprised oh, you've be... heard anybody. I'm surprised you've heard anybody else suggest it because most people just say that's absurd. But again, out there, if you think about it, everybody criticized the Washington Redskins when they took Robert Griffin the third, second overall. And then they took Kirk Cousins in the fourth round. They said, oh my God, how could you take two quarterbacks in the same draft? And in reality, they made a great decision because RG3 is out of the league and Cousins is going to make $30 million a year to be a quarterback. And because they took him in the same year, they got to see him compete head-to-head and figure out who was best just like you would in college. Why is that not the play if you're obsessed with getting the right quarterback? I'd be okay if the Browns did that one and four. I'd actually be, I'd be more okay with that than drafting Barkley at one because quarterback is just that important of a position. Look, and that the, hard to the, predict. The the Patriots are going to draft a quarterback in the second round this year. I mean, if if Lamar Jackson, let's say, fell to to the start of the second round, the Patriots will trade up and take him. Or Josh Allen were to fall, they're going to take a quarterback. That's how important it is. They, they keep drafting quarterbacks with the best quarterback of all time on their roster. So if the Browns do that, I would be in favor of that. The problem is, and we've talked about the Browns a lot this morning, is that they they completely botched their quarterback rotation last year, um, where they would play Kaiser for a half and take him out, put Hogan in. They would you know start Hogan for a game and put Kaiser in. So Hugh Jackson has to has to really commit to 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 just knowing how to do this right. And if they select a starter out of camp that player has to start, and they have to allow themselves to have growing pains. And, and the Browns have not showed that um, to be possible. I, I think that John Dorsey, I played with him in Kansas City. My brother was signed by him in Kansas City. Um, he rebuilt that team. I have no doubt that he will draft and build up a roster in Cleveland. It's just a matter of if Hugh Jackson is the right coach to do that. Because, look, he's won one game in two years. I don't really care how great of a quarterback guru he supposedly is. He hasn't shown it. Um, the Browns had an, a, a historically good uh, run defense last year. Now, they couldn't stop anyone uh, passing. They had a decent enough run game. I know their quarterback situation was bad, but they lost every game last year. So is Hugh Jackson really the guy to do this? And with a new GM as well, you know, they might get rid of Hugh after a year. So they have these two young quarterbacks they draft. They're one, or, you know, one young quarterback, and they bring in someone else. And it should be like a Jared Goff situation where that quarterback flourishes under a new system. Yeah, by the way, uh, the the Georgia Bulldogs, Justin Fields, not Landry Fields. Is Landry Fields a real guy, or did I just make up that name? Yes, I think he was. I think he played quarterback. I, I think that's familiar, but yeah, but so Justin Fields. All right, so we're talking to uh, to Jeff Schwartz. So who is the best quarterback available in this year's draft? Who would you take number one overall? I think probably Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen. I mean, look, the issues with Rosen are, I, and the the one that's legit is obviously the injury concern, right? Concussion, and maybe a little slight of frame, and playing in Cleveland um, in, in that weather and, and that division, uh, will he stay healthy? 
Um, the other concern about Josh Rosen, what he's too smart. I mean, that's not a real concern. I, I mean, that's like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, he's too smart. Look, he's very he's very self aware for twenty one. You know, I think that scares people uh, because NFL people like guys that are grunts that are just going to play football and not worry about other issues. We've seen that obviously um, play out over the last couple of years. And Josh Rosen might not be that guy. He he obviously is thoughtful. He's going to talk about subjects that might be uncomfortable, and I know that drives people insane. But I don't worry about that at all. Um, uh, and then I think Sam Darnold. I mean, I think that he, you know, the the turnover issue he had. I don't really worry about that in college. I mean, we've seen Andrew Luck throw a ton of turnovers in college. You know, in college, James Winston is, threw and, a ton and, of interceptions. Yeah, and this is what and this is what um, Josh Rosen has an issue with as well. Is you think you're Superman in college, so you just try to do everything for your team, especially Josh Rosen. I mean, they had no run game. They had a historically bad defense last year, so he's going to try to do too much. Sam Darnold's the same way. He's uber talented. He tries to do too much. He throws a couple of interceptions. So what? In the NFL, you got to think that, that it gets corrected, and we've seen it does get corrected. So I'm not really terribly worried about that, but I think you, if, you're, if you're John Dorsey and you draft Darnold number one and he's a bust, I think you feel better about yourself than drafting Barkley at number one. And even if he's average or he's a bust or even if he's a good player, he's not going to help you win Super Bowls. He's a, a running back is a piece when you already have your quarterback. But if you don't have a quarterback, the running back doesn't matter at all. All right, so Kirk Cousins is obviously also going to factor in in a big way into overall the quarterback landscape, yep. and he has to decide where he's going to go. Where do you think he would go, and where would you advise him to go? Are those the same places? Um, well, I, I would advise him to go to Minnesota. It looks like they're coming with an offer. We saw three years, $91 million guaranteed. And this is really fascinating because I, his agent, Mike McCartney, we're, the, we, we're with the same agency, Party Sports, Mike has done a fantastic job of playing this. So he, he could end up with two franchise tag years, a three-year deal for over $30 million a year guaranteed, and then be like 32 and sign another contract. Yeah. It's, it's, he's played this amazingly. Yes. Um, and, and so I think mean, Minnesota is the best option. If you look at Cousins, his best seasons, he's had Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Grosson, healthy Jordan Reed, good offensive line, and it's crappy defense. And now he can end up with, <clears throat> with Dalvin Cook, a good offensive line, Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, Diggs, um, and a great defense. Like that's yeah. a, and he plays inside. I mean, it's, it's a no-win situation. I mean, excuse me, a no-brainer situation um, for him. I think that the Jets, while they might offer the most money, I, I mean, maybe that's a report. I just don't like the situation for him. It seems there's a mutual, um, uh, not dislike, but just a mutual agreement between him and the Browns that he ain't going to the Browns. And I don't know if that's, the Browns have decided they're not going to pursue him. Kurt has told him he doesn't want to go there, or they just have both decided we're just not going to pursue this. Um, but this idea, by the way, that he's going to go to the to, to, to the uh, the team that presents the best opportunity and doesn't present the most money is is BS. The Vikings supposedly offering thirty million a year. That's the most money. Um, so this idea that Kurt's he's in it for the the wins and the team chemistry. Get out of here. He's in it for the money. Go make the most money, and that looks like Minnesota right now. Amen. Jeff Schwartz, thanks for joining us, as you always do, on Wednesday. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. We bring in Britt McHenry now. She joins us very frequently in this final hour on Wednesdays. Britt, we just had an all-female caller uh, rotation here, and we're reacting. I'm assuming you saw some of the news about the sexual harassment lawsuit against ESPN that's been filed. Uh, but. Yeah. Did you see the allegations against Bamani Jones, what he was accused of doing? I did. It's absolutely ludicrous. Like, at first, I was really 
anything about it, Clay, because she seemingly lists the entire network in that lawsuit. Yes. <laughs> At first I was like, oh, do, do I need to preface everything in, in my view, in my experience, because is she going to try to come after anybody who dare criticizes it? You know, and at this point, looking at all the allegations, I think this is an example of whatever the Me Too movement was supposed to be just gone awry. I mean, looking her, looking at her legs, like, are we really going to file lawsuits now? If, if that was the case, Clay, I'd be suing half of the NFL. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm hearing, like, what? Like, elevator eyes? I didn't even know that that was, like, a real saying or something you would put in the lawsuit, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I just thought it was crazy. And, look, I think Vamani Jones got a lot of bad sports opinions, and I rip them uh, occasionally. But the idea – and, by the way, he's single. It's not – like, some of these guys are married, and so that just makes them look awful because then they have to go home to their wife, and they're like, I'm telling you, this is not true. Uh, but it wasn't even that aggressive of allegations against the married guys. But for Mm -hmm. a single guy – to get named in a lawsuit as a sexual harasser because he looked at a woman as uh, like in a way that would suggest he was interested in her. Remember, this is the worst case scenario from her perspective. She's making it as egregious as she possibly can. And I read this, and I'm like, how in the world are legitimate and reputable media organizations covering this as a legitimate lawsuit when you actually read all the things she alleges? Yeah, and, and reading through it, it's like you would you would think she believes She's the most desirable woman in the world, right? Like yes. any like exchange of hey, how's the day going? Yes. What what music do you like means that somebody automatically is going for the worst possible case scenario. I'm not going to say specifically who it is, but I will tell you that there is somebody in, involved in that who m- may have had a um, an economic hit from this. From you know, not uh, essentially losing a job prospect because of this lawsuit, and I firmly believe this person is innocent. So that's the risk when you announce these sort of things. That's going to affect someone's reputation forever. Those headlines and articles are forever, which in this day and age we've seen. Like uh, at this point, Clay, with all that's written about you, with all that's written about me. And and so many other people in the media, you know, that's not something you're going to live and die by. But when people are up for jobs, a lot of people have left the network either by their own choice or not, as we saw with 250 people laid off last year. I was one of them. When you have things like this, that's going to, like, affect people's lives and careers. And it's a lawsuit with a lot of holes in it already. And, you know, I'm angry for my friends, some of them that are listed in it. Yeah, and you know what else? I'm glad you brought up like the headlines because so many people don't actually go to the facts behind the headline. They see insert person here accused of sexual harassment, and they're like, oh, oh, and, and that headline is out there, and it's on Google, and if you're looking for a job, they type in your name, and they look at the most recent articles about you. And if you don't actually click on the link and read through and say, okay, wait, he was accused of sexual harassment because he looked at a girl – and she said that it made her uncomfortable that he seemed to have like enjoy looking like it's just so crazy to me that I, I can't happen to help but think also it connected to the Oscars and everything else. Like there's a difference between sexual harassment and basic male female interaction. And I feel like oftentimes, as frequently happens with these, uh, you know, sort of mobs that we end up on, we lose all ability to distinguish. And you'll remember this, Britt. I bet Matt Damon got destroyed in Hollywood. 
because mm-hmm. he said it's a spectrum, right? And all inappropriate behavior should be should be discouraged, and and but there's different levels. And he was like, there's a difference between somebody hitting some a girl on the ass and she doesn't want it to happen and rape, right? And Minnie yeah. Driver and a lot of other women in Hollywood were like, no, 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 there's no difference. It's all unacceptable on an equal level. And I'm like, that's not how you persuade people that there's an issue. That's how you lose people in the middle of the road. That's a ludicrous position to take. Absolutely. I'm, just for example, today I have a, a networking coffee type of meetup with somebody, right? I was thinking to myself last night, Clay, when I was reaching out to this, this man, is he going to be freaked out? Like, is this going to be perceived as like, I'm trying to, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like there's some other reason behind wanting to get coffee other than just wanting to get coffee to talk about work, you know? And, And I think that men have every right to feel that way now because of how ludicrous some of these accusations have been, you know, like, Somebody asked you if it was a young a younger female asked you to go get coffee, Clay, to really ask, to, you know pick your brain about the business, or ask about what you know career opportunities you might know of within Outkick or elsewhere. I'm pretty sure now with how crazy and off the rails these allegations have gotten within the industry, you might think twice about that, right? I, like you I, might be like, maybe I'll stay away. It's not even a might. I have had lots of conversations with men that you know who are prominent in our industry, and they yeah. have said we've had conversations about this. There's nothing to be gained by us being out with a younger woman in any way one-on-one because somebody takes a picture of it. Somebody, uh, you don't know the girl, right? Like some, if, if, if a random girl who's 21 years old is in college and she's like, Hey, could I, could you meet with me and, and help me out? I'm, I'm interested in like, I'm working at so-and-so place at so-and-so university and I want to do what you do for a living. I'll give you a perfect example. For years, we had uh, internships that I would do on my radio show. And I would pick mm-hmm. one guy, and I would pick one girl. And right, I was trying mm-hmm. to be even, because we get a lot of people who'd ask. One guy, one girl, and they would get to come and hang out with us. And as you can well imagine, when you're off air, for instance, on a radio show, the conversation that you have off air is different than the conversation that you might have off air, uh, on air. We don't have FCC restrictions off air, right? The conversation is going to be more R-rated off air, not all the time, but during the course of a show than it might be. Same way we would with television. Like, mics go off, uh, you go to break, and the conversation that you would have in television is different uh, off air than it would be on air. Everybody who's ever done media knows that that's the reality, right? We're all playing Mm -hmm. within a different rules for on air than we are off air. And I sat around and I said, look, if a guy accuses me of behaving inappropriately with him, what's it going to be? It's going to be like Clay Travis used uh, obscene language. He, uh, he cursed, like, and everybody's going to be like, roll their eyes, and they're not going to care, right? They're going to be like, whatever. Yeah. If a girl makes up an allegation that's 100% false, that I did something inappropriate from a sexual harassment-related level with her, people are automatically going to cover it now, and there's going to be the belief that it's true among a certain subset of the population because they want all of these sexual harassment stories to be true. What's the benefit for me of ever extending my hand in this modern society and ever creating that risk for myself? None. I, other than the, the simple fact that you're generous and there's a lot of you know generous, kind people who want to see others succeed in this, this business and other ones. But now I, I don't blame anyone. For just being like, yeah, I have other plans. <laughs> or I mean, I'm going to bring like four other people with me so that I've got exactly. all these witnesses as to whatever actually happens. And I think the end result on this, and I could be wrong, but I think the end result of a lot of the Me Too era 
is going to be giving women less opportunities than they were otherwise going to get because it's going to make men who are in positions of power treat them differently than they would men in the exact same position. In other words, I don't get nervous at all if I'm around a 22-year-old guy and he asks me questions about career advice and and I just I, I'm not concerned about it, right? Now, if yeah. I don't know someone, I don't know whether they're good or bad. I don't know what angle they're trying to play. They can get a lot of attention by alleging something against me that's not remotely true. I mean, think about this: if you are if you are listed in her lawsuit, and it's just the, the accusation is you looked at her legs, or you asked what kind of music she likes. Yes, that's that crazy, doesn't right? Matter. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and it doesn't matter because it, if you're up for a job, as you mentioned, a quick Google search, every employer is going to do that. Um, it's going to say, you know, sexual, serial sexual harasser. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is, harassment. Britt, you know the level, the era that we live in, which is people decide whether they like you or not. So people yeah. like Britt McHenry, they like Clay Travis, they do or they don't, right? If they like you, they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. We see this in politics all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, if they don't like you, then they're going to assume that every accusation against you that is bad is true. And so people don't go to the facts now, so that that just kind of stays out there lingering as an accusation that it's impossible for you to prove didn't happen. Exactly. I mean, and just even if, and a lot of it too, be one thing if you're already working somewhere, if, if you're well-liked and people know who you are, it's a lot easier to, to get over an obstacle like this or a hump. But if you were in negotiations to start a new job, it doesn't matter if they like you. I mean, if that if that's going to be put around a press release that they, they, they distribute about hiring you, they're just going to say, you know, it's not worth it. No matter how talented you are, this is just not worth it. So, so- I really feel for those people. And, um, you know, Chris Berman... That was the first name I heard, and I was livid about it. Because, look, I know that there's YouTube links. You know, he, the guy had a 30-plus-year career at ESPN, and he can be polarizing. And I, some listeners may love Chris Berman. Some may can't hate him, can't stand him. To me, Clay, he was always so professional. Less than a month after his own, his wife passed away a year ago, he called and reached out to me to say, hey, how are you doing from the layoffs? Like, to me, there was never any sort of uh, treatment like she's accusing him of. And, like, you don't go after Boomer. So I was livid. And a lot of my former colleagues and I were texting about this, upset about it, because you're just damaging the reputation of, of a lot of men in there. Well, I think you're perfect on this story. Did you ever have any issues that were substantive or, or like, as much as she is alleging about sexual harassment when you worked at ESPN? No. Now, I will say I was... Never permanently in Bristol, right. thankfully. <laughs> so, yes. uh, you know, like I, I mentioned this, I was on Kirk and Callahan yesterday and on WEI, and, and I think some of the guys on the later show, you know, were kind of saying I held back or I didn't, you know, I wasn't as opinionated on it. And it, it's because, like, that that's just a, that's not an opinion thing to me. Either something inappropriate happened or it didn't. And I, I don't mess around with that. And I'm going to be honest, nothing happened to me. There was no. You know, I was always treated professionally, but I also kept my worlds very separate. Like when I went up to Bristol, I would fill in on NFL Live and then I would like drive as far away as I could and go to dinner and have my own social life. So I separated the two worlds, but I was on the road and in clubhouses, in locker rooms. I mean, you're a female sports reporter, no matter how many women they've hired, 
it is still substantially outweighed against you with men versus women, right? That's just a reality that's never going to change. And of course, I've had tons of athletes, you know, dozens of athletes hit on me, ask for my number, um, you know, told some, hey, I have a boyfriend, they still persisted. Like, I've had scenarios, but even in those cases, never in my wildest imagination would I try to connect those dots to really damage someone's livelihood. Like, I just never felt that way. Outstanding as always, Britt McHenry. Go follow her on Twitter at Britt McHenry. <laughs> oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.